So we'll uh, we'll get started uh, today. So today we are primarily going to talk about uh, the topic of debt. Uh, but uh, let's just do a quick uh, recap. So uh, last week we were looking at, uh, as I said, the the foundational principles or the theological principles behind uh, you know behind this uh, matter of handling money, right? Uh, and uh, so I'll just recap the, the key points from that. So uh, the uh, the thing that we saw is that uh, there are three things that God, uh, you know, that that's God's responsibility or God's part in the handling of our money. Okay, uh, and uh, uh, the uh, the um, the first is ownership, and this is a simple principle that God owns everything. Okay, so uh, there is nothing that we own, and this is important because it's. Uh, because of the misconception that we do have, we do tend to have, which is that we are, that, uh, you know, if we give, say, a certain portion, maybe 10% or whatever the number to the Lord, then uh, the rest of it, um, you know, belongs to us and we can do with it whatever we want. So so this is a very core principle that when you start with uh, the principle that, that all our money, uh, everything we have, all our possessions, everything belongs to the Lord, Okay, then you start to think differently about it, right? And we saw how, uh, you know, when we feel ownership, then, you know, our attitude is uh, driven by, uh, by what is happening to those possessions, right? We become very possessive, uh, of, so to speak, of our possessions. Uh, and our attitudes even change depending on what's happening. You know, if, if we think that we own our investments, for example, and this is a good example in this uh, in these times we are going through, uh, you know, when the stock market goes down, the, uh, you know, the, our attitude changes. You know, I knew, uh, I've always used this illustration uh, of a brother uh, who, who I knew uh, quite well. And, and, uh, and, and this brother uh, was one who needed a lot of encouragement. So, um, you know, I, uh, I used to, uh, this, this many years ago, and I would call him up every day. When I went to, when I was on my way to the office, uh, just for a few minutes and we would pray. So uh, this brother was in business and all that kind of stuff. And then eventually he went into, you know, business uh, all, uh, you know, it didn't really do very well or whatever. He got out of all that. Uh, and, uh, and he was a brother from a different uh, background, meaning that he was, uh, you know, he was from a different religious background, got saved and came to the Lord. Uh, but anyway, I used to call him up every day and we would pray together. Uh, and I would just give him a little encouragement, but uh, this brother got into, uh, you know, he got into investing in the stock market, you know, uh, he had, you know, gotten some money and he was investing his own money and giving some advice to other people and all that. And it's very interesting that every day when I would call him, uh, you know, I would uh, be able to gauge how the stock market did the previous day based on his attitude. Okay. So uh, he was so glued to his two screens and looking at everything. And then, you know, sometimes we would, we would have discussions around the economy and the stock market and all that as well, you know, when we talked every day. But, but his whole attitude shifted up and down depending on the, uh, you know, the, the, the performance of the stock market that day or that week. Um, so, you know, when we own these things, then our attitude, our outlook, everything uh, is driven by that, right? And and uh, what this principle of ownership means is that we, as believers, we need to transfer 
ownership of all our possessions of the Lord. We, we need to recognize that God is the owner of everything. Okay. Um, and the second point was um, around control, which basically means that God is in control of every circumstance uh, that happens, good and bad. He's in control of whether we have a job or don't have a job. He's in control of whether we keep our job or lose our job. He's in control of uh, whether we get a salary increase or don't get a salary increase. He's in control of everything in our lives, right? And not just financial things, but everything. And this is tied to the theological concept of the, 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 um, the complete and total sovereignty of God. God is sovereign over everything. Um, and, uh, you know, when I was reading uh, the Daily Bread this week, uh, some of you may do that. I, I read the online, or we read the online Daily Bread at our family prayer in the morning. Um, uh, this week, there was a, there was a little illustration, uh, you know, that uh, was about the, the Orion's belt. Okay, so Orion's belt is, you know, Orion is a constellation of stars, uh, and Orion's belt is like three stars that are sort of strung together. And if you look at it from Earth, it looks like, you know, one star there, one star there, and a third star there. And they look perfectly lined up like the belt. And it's called the belt of Orion. Uh, and, uh, you know, and the, the, the writer of this passage was, was pointing out that in reality, you know, uh, those, three, those, those three dots that we see are, are, are sort of, you know, thousands of light years apart. Okay. Uh, so the closer you get to it, it doesn't really look like three stars or three stars lined up or constellation of stars lined up. You know, it's just random set of stars, you know, that are lined up. Okay. But when we are, you know, so many, uh, such, such a distance away from it, you know, it looks perfectly lined up. And, and he was making a point that, you know, when you're close to something, you know, it doesn't look, you can't really see the pattern. Right, you can't really see the or like when you're on an airplane, right? When you're on top, you can see sort of the entire layout, you know, of, of a of a look of a, of an area. You know, when you're close to it, you can't really see it, and that's sort of the way. You know, if you think about God's sovereignty, you know, we have all kinds of things happening in our life, ups and downs, and difficulties, and you know, happiness and sadness, and all of these things in the in the context of our life, whether it's 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever years of our life, um, you know, it seems like, oh my goodness, you know, life is not fair, all this. But, you know, when God is looking at it in the context of his master plan, you know, it's like those, it's like the belt of Orion. You know, it's perfectly aligned, perfectly lined up. And even if you may have a lot of zigzags, you know, it's still sort of heading in the direction that God wants it to go. When you look at it in light of eternity and what he's trying to accomplish, within time and, and within eternity, right? So, so, you know, it's a tendency for us to think that, you know, to lose sight of the fact that ultimately we may not know it, you know, it's certainly this side of eternity, we will not even be able to see, you know, why did, why did we have to go through these difficulties? Why did that person die young? Or why did I go through this trouble? Or why did God take me through this? Uh, you know, in the here and now, those seem like major problems, major issues, unfairness, all of those kind of things that we talked about this morning. But in the grand scheme of things, okay, uh, just like when we look up at the, the, the constellations, you know, from our vantage point on earth, everything seems to be aligned, you know, in, in those patterns and all that, right? Uh, that's sort of the way God's sovereignty is, you know, his plan for the ages, uh, it is unfolding, right? And what happens to us 
are just little little parts of that. You know, what happens to all of humanity is just a, a little part of that, right? So God is in absolute control. The third one uh, is that God's part in handling money is is uh, is about provision, right? That God has promised to provide for all our needs, right? And we know that He is faithful. Okay, He is faithful to provide for all our needs, but unpredictable in how He will provide. Maybe He will provide through a job. Maybe He will provide through our family. Maybe He will provide through fellow believers. Maybe he will provide through random strangers. We don't know how he's going to provide, but, but he will provide. And that's his promise, right? Psalm 37, verse 25. Uh, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. And we talked about the need to distinguish between, um, between uh, needs and wants, right? Needs are basic food, basic clothing, and basic shelter, Right, so keep these three things in mind: ownership, control, and provision. And then our part in handling money is faithful stewardship. Right, we are stewards, uh, and a steward is somebody who is uh, who is uh, a manager or a supervisor. Just like you know, I am a manager of certain resources given to me by my company, but I have a certain budget and a certain target, and a certain annual plan or a three-year plan to which I have to. You know, all of my activities and my decisions have to be aligned with that to achieve the goals of that plan. So similarly, God has given us his possessions, you know, to be stewards over and to use according to his blueprint, according to his plan that is in the, in the word of God. And it's very important that, that everything to understand that everything we're talking about here is really not some, uh, you know, some... Uh, sort of good principles or worldly wisdom here, okay, everything we're talking about here really doesn't make sense unless you first have dealt with that issue uh, of your salvation, right? And you've come to the Lord uh, and he has, uh, the Lord himself has, 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 uh, is living within you, the Lord Jesus Christ living within you that you have accepted what he has done for you on the cross and, and, and he has forgiven you of your sins and you have accepted his sacrifice and you give your life to him and you say, you know, I'm not going to follow after the religions of the world. I'm not going to follow after any kind of religion, but I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus because he died for me and he has saved me from my sin, from my sin. And when you have that, that righteousness of God, when you have that salvation, then he starts to transform your mind. So everything we're going to talk about, especially today when we talk about debt, a lot of it doesn't make much sense from a economic, financial, worldly thinking standpoint, right? And very often, even when we look at it, we all start thinking immediately, uh, you know, from a worldly standpoint, because that's the way that we are conditioned to think, right? That's the way we've been brought up in society and the education system and everything we study and learn is all from a worldly perspective. So if you are somebody listening to me, and I know we have people from all kinds of places here, if you, if, if you're talking about thinking about going through this course and and getting financial freedom and all that. The real freedom you need is, uh, you know, is freedom from the penalty of your sin, right? And that is, uh, you know, that is that can only uh, be obtained by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And only then will the instructions of the Lord Jesus, the instructions of God in the Bible really make any sense, right? It's a different way of life. So we have to be faithful stewards with all our resources, uh, 100% of it, we have to be faithful regardless of how much we have 
right? God is in control. He has decided in his sovereignty to give some people a lot, give some people a little, regardless of how much little you have or a lot you have, you have to be faithful. And then he holds us all accountable, regardless of how much he has given us. He holds us all accountable um, uh, for what he has given us. We saw the parable of the, of the talents and all that. Uh, and then, you know, we have to be as faithful stewards, be faithful in little things, right? And also be faithful with the possessions of others. So the, um, we talked about, and we're going to keep looking at this again, man's approach, okay, to finances is God plays no role in handling money. My happiness is based on being able to afford a desired, my desired standard of living. When I, what I possess, I own and I control my destiny. And if I have more money and a lot of savings and a big bank balance and a lot of investments, then I can control my destiny. You know, we really can. Uh, you know, I earn my money and now I can spend any way I, can, I choose, right? And I will be happy when I do that, like the rich fool. But um, what is God's approach? Okay, God's approach is, is diametrically opposed to this, um, you know, to man's approach. Uh, and God's approach is about learning contentment in all circumstances. And as you learn and follow the scripture, uh, you know, scriptural principles on, on handling money, uh, you will draw close to Christ and learn to be content. So this is not just about money, but it's about our entire life and our lifestyle. And you can only be content if you are a faithful steward, right? And when you are a faithful steward and you apply these principles, you will have contentment in all areas of your life. You will know how to, um, you know, how to think about different problems and different issues uh, that, that you come across in the light of God's word, right? Uh, so you can only be content if you have been a faithful steward handling money from the Lord's perspective. Okay, so with that, we are going to, we are going to go into debt, but I want to show you a video to a video here. So uh, again, before we go to this video, um, I just want to give a little caveat. This is just a video that actually Liju sent to me. So thank you, Liju. And I think uh, it's sort of a testimonial of this woman uh, from somewhere. I think it's in Africa. So I don't know this woman. I don't know the church that she's a part of. I don't know anything about the background. I just thought the video itself sort of very effectively captures what we're talking about and how contentment is not, uh, you know, not uh, driven for a Christian anyway. Contentment should not be driven by uh, our uh, circumstances, right? We should be content no matter what our circumstance and that God will provide. And I think, uh, you know, this video, it's about three minutes. It, it really captures the, um, the essence of, uh, of, of really this first part of, uh, of God's part uh, in handling money. Okay? So I'm going to play this. My name is Nomfula Bam. My church is Joshua Generation Danone. So I'm going to give you a tour of my house. So come and follow me. You can come in. So this basically, this is my house. And that is my kitchen over there. This is my kitchen. You can see my fridge. And this is my bedroom. So you can see I sleep there. My girl sleeps there. And then this is our lounge where we chill. As small as it is, it's actually big. I can invite people here, ladies from church, they dwell here and we, we, we worship here, we pray in this house and we have fellowship together. It's so cool. We thank God for this house. And how many people stay here? Um, that is me and my three daughters and my grandson. 
So this is so cool. Oh, a toilet, you've got a toilet here. But now for now we close this door and we're going around and use the toilet this side. The door is on the other side. And um, is there hot water here? No, we don't have hot water. We boil hot water using the kettle there or the stove. And here also, this is our bathroom. This, this is where we bath. Yeah, this. Where's your bathroom? We use this. This is our bathroom. This is our bath. You can see we take water and then we put it here and then we... We bath. And where's the shower? Uh, no, we don't shower. <laughs> <laughs> we don't shower. We just use the bath. We just get inside here and put water here and then you bath. And where's the garden, Villa? Our oh, garden. I've got a small garden over garden. here. Mm. This is my small garden here. This is my small garden over here. And this is my study as well. It's a nice study, eh? <laughs> it's a nice study. Yeah, this is my study, yes. Hey, thank you for the tour, Bula. God bless. <laughs> thank you, guys. I want to say to everyone who is, like, really worried, I want to encourage you guys, like, do not worry. Like, God provides, and He really does. And even for me, like, personally, like, I'm a single mother, but God, I never slept without food in my house. Like, God provides, like, crazy. Like, really, I trust God, and I don't depend on my on my salary. I depend from God's hand. I eat from His hand. So I want to encourage, like, do not worry. God, God's economy is always good. It's always, like, He never... Uh, 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 his economy doesn't go down never it will never go down he's always good so just be strong and trust in god he will provide for you even if he doesn't he's god he knows what he's doing he's got what is best in our in his heart for us he loves us so much all we need to do is to trust him man i'm amazed for he knows what we need before we even ask him okay so uh, i just thought that was uh a great, um, a great example of uh, everything that we've been talking about, and and uh, just to be clear, you know, I'm not, uh, I did not show that video to make a point that you know we all need to live in poverty or we need to not have a two-bedroom house. That's not the point, right? The point is, is 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 the the happiness and the contentment and the stuff that that lady said at the end, which is, you know, God will provide, but even if He doesn't, He's God, right? And that's just absolute belief and trust in God's control and his sovereignty over all our circumstances, right? Um, so I thought that was a good way to just encapsulate the, the points that we were making there. And uh, with that, we'll, um, we'll move into uh, a study of debt. Uh, next week, we'll uh, talk about uh, giving, uh, but today we're going to talk about debt. So uh, debt is something, uh, you know, that um, really people have a lot of wrong ideas of, right? And a lot of wrong practices. And I am personally very thankful, as I, as I indicated last week, that, uh, you know, that the Lord exposed me to some of these, these teachings and, and to his word on this matter, uh, you know, back when I was uh, the latter part of my college days. Uh, and uh, as a result of that, you know, I've been able to really follow these principles, um, you know, for the most part. And as a result of that, you know, I've been blessed Primarily by really not having, uh, you know, any worry, uh, you know, about finances, not having worry uh, about obligations, not having to worry what's going to happen to me if I lose my job, um, you know, because 
I've avoided sort of, you know, undue debt. Okay, I've taken some debt here and there. We'll talk about that later. But but let's start off looking at what is debt. So, um, so what is debt? So debt is basically money or property which one person is obligated to pay another. Or it's a grant to pay later what is received now. So you get something today and you... Uh, you know, you give a promise to pay for it later, right? I think everybody understands that, uh, but it's it's an obligation, right? You receive uh, something and then you are obligated to pay for it at a later time because you don't have the money today. So, um, you know, when you go into debt, so the world is all about debt. If you look at our system of commerce, it's driven by debt. If you look at the way countries operate, right? In, in this country, for example, when the budget is announced every uh, February or whenever it's announced, February, March, um, you know, one of the big things they look at is what is the the, the deficit, okay, fiscal deficit uh, as a percent of GDP, okay, so they look at that and that tells you how much does every country have to borrow, you know, even the richest country in the world, the United States is actually the biggest borrower, okay, it's the biggest debtor uh, in the world, and by the way, I just want to make sure that I'm not I'm using this as an example to show how the world system is all built on debt. But what I'm addressing here is not, uh, you know, global economics. Okay. Uh, I'm not trying to, uh, to, you know, to say that countries, for example, shouldn't go into debt. That's a much bigger issue. Um, you know, uh, but we're talking about our own personal finances. now. Okay. Uh, but I'm just using the countries as an example. So you look at, you know, countries are built on debt. The financial system is built on debt. The entire financial institutions, right? Banks and, and, and companies like that, you know, how do they make their money? They make their money by providing debt, right? By giving debt and collecting interest on the debt. Uh, and, so, and so then they have an interest in promoting debt, right? In making people, making debt easy, right? If you go back to 2008, uh, the financial, the great financial crisis or global financial crisis, as they call it, that was the last time we had a huge recession. Now we have the the COVID recession or the coronavirus recession coming, or already here for that matter, right? But but that time, the, that whole uh, you know that whole global financial crisis began because the in the United States, all the banks started uh, and mortgage companies started lending uh, indiscriminately. Okay, money. Okay, especially for buying houses, and uh, then they figured out ways to reduce their risk by by packaging those up and selling these things called derivatives and all that. I'm not going to go there. Some of you who are in finance know this better than me. Uh, and then eventually, what happened is people had taken on so much debt they couldn't pay it up, and when they stopped being able to pay, then the whole system came apart, right? And then the governments had to jump in and bail them out and, and all those kind of things. And it took some, uh, you know, some uh, uh, what almost 2014, 15, you know, so almost seven, eight, nine years before the economy is revived again. Um, so, so you know, when you look out there, all of the marketing that's out there is is to convince you to to get into debt. And uh, it's interesting when you look at Indian society that um, you know we were not a debt-oriented society, okay, until uh, maybe the last 10, 15, 20 years, okay. When, when a lot of westernized ideas started coming in and, uh, and we started opening up the economies. Again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to open up economies. I'm just saying this is one of the consequences is that, you know, in the old days, getting into debt 
was uh, was a very um, you know it was almost like a shameful thing. Okay, uh, my uh, I can tell you the story of my own family. You know, sometimes it's good for us to remember these things to to really thank God from where He has brought us. Okay, so regardless of my circumstance today, it was only you know some. Uh, uh, some 70, 70, 60, 70 years ago that my family was in debt. Okay. They were bankrupt. Uh, my grandfather was a, was a small businessman. Businessman means he had a little shack from which he sold stuff, you know, behind our house, okay. To the little village there near, near Kumbana. And, uh, he got into a lot of debt. Okay. And he had to give up some of the property to people and, take money from here to try to here and there and from relatives and all that. And, uh, and uh, my mom was telling me recently that, that she remembers a story where, where she went somewhere to buy something to a shop and, uh, and, uh, and she was the, the daughter-in-law in the house and the only daughter-in-law at the time. Uh, and uh, the, uh, my father's name was also George. Uh, and uh, and uh, the, the guy at the shop asked her where, where he was from or where she was from, and she told the house name and all that. And she says, oh, okay, Papar George in the Marimola. Okay, so Papar means pauper, okay, in Malayalam. So that's the way my grandfather was known, okay, as Papar George. Okay, he was, he was literally bankrupt and was known as a pauper in society. So, um, you know, and then, then I remember, uh, not I remember, because I wasn't even alive then, but story that had been told to me is, you know, my father eventually, you know, he, uh, he left the country. He went to Qatar uh, and he was one of the first people to go to Qatar where they were, they were, they were building up a workforce there to get oil. And uh, some of you might be from Qatar. That was when they were discovering oil in the Middle East. And so this oil company took him to Qatar and kept, and he was there for many months. But for whatever reason, they didn't find oil. Okay, they they they're drilling and all that failed uh, and they didn't find any oil. So they sent everybody back. So then he came, he wandered around India, didn't have a job. And eventually one of his, his relatives had gone to Africa and took him over there uh, to work in a construction company. And, um, you know, uh, and one of his first goals uh, was to, was to, um, was to um, uh, pay off all the debts of his father because he was the oldest son and he was very burdened about this responsibility. Uh, and he did not build a house for them. He didn't do anything till all that debt was paid off. So he saved up whatever he was making in those early years. This is back in the 60s, you know, early, uh, early to mid-60s. And he paid off all the debt, okay? And then he went and bought back all the property that they had mortgaged to different relatives to get money to pay off the debtors and all this kind of thing. And he gradually you know, eventually built a small house for his parents, right? And that's where we came from. But the point I'm making is that, is that there was a time where in this country, not because of scriptural principles, but just in society in general, being a debtor was a bad thing, okay? And people would consider it as a, as a sign of disfavor, okay? If you were a debtor, right? And people did everything possible to get out of debt, okay? But today, that's not the case. Today, we celebrate debt. We... we we, um, you know, we, uh, we, we use it to, uh, to uh, enhance our lifestyles. We use it to get things that we can't afford. Okay, we use it to build houses that we couldn't otherwise afford by taking big loans. Um, and and it, it certainly clouds our thinking because we go and 
and, and build things and plan things that, that we can't afford, right? And we're going to talk about some of the dangers of that. But there are a lot of consequences to this debt lifestyle. And it's a very creepy, crawly kind of thing. You know, you start off in a small way, you get used to it. It's, it's a very addictive thing, right? So uh, first of all, it has a very high financial cost, okay? The interest that you pay, all right? The interest that you pay on credit cards, it's like, in the U.S., it's like 18 to 23%. Here, I don't know what it is, um, but it's probably higher. Uh, you know, you look at, you know, I once did a calculation, um, you know, when I was planning to buy a house uh, and, and, you know, I had to take a mortgage or a, a loan to pay for that house uh, over some 30 years or something. And, uh, you know, what, uh, what I found out is that when you, when you, by the time you finish paying that house off in 15 or 30 years, you know, you would have paid almost three times the value of that house, okay, in interest, right? Three times. So if I bought a house for $100,000, you know, I would have paid $300,000 in interest, okay? So there's a very high financial cost. There's a reason why banks, you know, this is the fundamental way in which banks make money, right? They take money from, you know, from depositors, and they loan it out, they lend it out to, to those who need money to do whatever they want to do, and they, they collect high interest. So they pay us, they pay the depositor low interest, they get a higher interest from the people they loan it out to, and that difference between the two is their profit, right? Um, you know, it causes increased stress. I mean, I just gave you the story of my father. I can't imagine uh, all the stress that he would have been through in all those years, you know, trying to save everything that he was making there, uh, just to pay off that that loan. I mean, we we see we see examples of that today. You know, uh, just a few months ago, uh, everybody was shocked when uh, the uh, the uh, owner of uh, Cafe Coffee Day, right, uh, Siddharth, or, or uh, I think his name was right, Mr. Siddharth, he jumped off a bridge supposedly and killed himself. And why did he kill himself? As the as the details are coming out, you know, we thought that wow, coffee Cafe Coffee Day. What a great company, you know, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot happens over a cup of coffee. It's a trendy place to go to and uh, they're just booming and opening up branches and branches and branches all over the country. Um, and, you know, as it turns out, his whole empire was built on a mountain of debt. Okay. And he couldn't service this debt. He couldn't pay the interest. So he kept giving up shares of his company, stakes in his company to other investors. And then those investors were coming after him to get their money back and he couldn't handle it. Okay. So, so being in debt causes significant amount of stress. I'm sure some of you are today going through stress in your lives because of these decisions that you've made and because of the debt that you've taken on, because you took on this debt while things were good. Okay. You thought you would have that job forever. The economy is going to be great forever. Right. Uh, uh, and, and then everything changes in a, in a second. Um, Debt causes denial of reality, okay, and it leads to financial bondage uh, and allows us to increase, artificially increase our standard living. So, you know, you deny reality, you know, oh, well, you know, uh, I may only be able to afford this much, but hey, you know, I can afford the EMI, okay, equal monthly installment. I can afford the EMI. I can afford the monthly payments. So therefore, if my standard of living goes up. Okay, now I can afford, you know, I had this, this uh, old motorbike, okay, now I can afford a new one because, you know, I make enough every month to be able to make the EMI, right? So all of a sudden, your, 
your bike goes up. And then the bike, uh, you buy a bigger bike, then the maintenance goes up, right? And then you want to buy, um, you know, uh, uh, more expensive, uh, you know, well, you know, my old helmet, my cheap helmet doesn't look good with my new bike, right? Let me go get something more expensive, okay? Builds itself, you know, I got to show, you know, I can be driving with my, uh, you know, with my bike, uh, with my new bike, with this jacket, let me get a new leather jacket, okay? Uh, maybe Pradeep can relate to all this being the biker uh, that he is. Uh, but uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a car or a house, you know, you buy a new house with all those rooms, you, know, you got to buy furniture. The old furniture looks tawdry and, uh, you know, no good. All, all uh, you know, threads coming out. And I got to get new furniture, right? I got to get new um, equipment you know, to, to furnish the house and make it look good. After all, you know, I can't live in a, a nice house in a nice uh, big apartment building and not be like everybody else around me, right? So, you know, it, it really, uh, you know, allows us to deny the reality of our situation and it leads to financial bondage. You know, uh, we will look at the verses in a minute here, you know, that, uh, that uh, uh, you know, that a, that a borrower is servant to the lender. Basically, you are in financial bondage, okay? If you owe money to those people, you know, they can come after you and they do come after you. Right, you owe it to them. Um, you know, you owe them that money, and they have—they have, they sort of have this sword hanging over your head. You know, from the time you miss their payments, and they'll come over you. And some of you are, are facing this now, right? And and, and you and you know what I'm talking about. Debt can be addictive. Okay, debt is very addictive. It's like it's like going to a casino and gambling. Okay, it's like smoking. You know, once you start it. It's like, well, okay, one more thing. I can afford one more thing. I can afford one more thing. I can stretch my EMI. Okay, uh, and um, in fact, um, you know, in the U.S., uh, there are people who are who are so badly addicted to debt that you know they uh, their whole you know and they will they will run up their credit cards okay um, to you know twenty thousand dollars thirty thousand uh, dollars you know and then they make these monthly payments. We'll talk about that. Sorry, monthly minimum monthly payment. And the credit card companies love that because when you make the minimum monthly payment, it means you've got this huge amount of money that you are paying them interest on. The interest is 23-25%. Okay, and uh, every week you get these things in the mail. You know, I'll ask you to apply for MOOC if you're eligible to get another credit card. So there are people who, who become so addictive, they will, they will get these new credit cards. Okay, and then they'll take this money and pay it off with another card three cards and then they'll run up those cards and they just can't stop okay it might be hard i hope nobody here has gotten to that level but this has happened in fact in the in the united states they have these people called debt counselors okay just like you have alcoholics anonymous you have debt counselors where people who are addictive addicted to debt can go in and actually get treated okay they they get put on a plan and put some controls on them and to to work their way out of this addiction um we talked about this last week. Debt presumes on the future. Okay, uh, Proverbs 27, 1 says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth. We saw that in James chapter 4 a few weeks ago when I was uh, giving the message. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, we don't know. You know, you can say this day or that day I'm going to go to this place and that place. Well, it says you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? So when you get into debt, you are making a lot of assumptions Okay, that things are going to continue as they're going right now. And you don't have a plan uh, 
necessarily to say, you know, what am I going to do if things stop? What am I going to do tomorrow if, uh, if, if I lose my job? Okay, what am I going to do if all my investments, uh, you know, that are worth this much today just crash, if the market crashes? The future over which none of us has control, only God has control. Uh, another point, another consequence of a debt lifestyle is that it deprives God of a chance to provide or deny. Okay, so I, I believe one of the ways God really, uh, you know, really tells us whether uh, or, or indicates to us whether we should make a certain expenditure or not, right, is by whether or not we have the money for it. Okay, so, uh, but when we can easily get debt and when we do easily go and accumulate debt to meet our spending wants, okay, um, then we are depriving God of that chance to say no, okay, or God, we're depriving God of a chance to say stop, okay, step back, think, pray about this, right? Remember we said God owns everything, every spending decision has to be a, it becomes a prayerful decision, becomes a spiritual decision that's taken in prayer. But if I can rely on a loan that my bank can give me, I can rely on my credit card, but why do I need to go to God? It's a major loss of opportunity. Okay. So, so remember when you are, when you take a loan, when you go into debt, you are spending a good amount of your money to service that debt. Service that debt means pay the interest on that debt. Okay. That's money that's going away. Okay. Money that God is giving you. So you are now using the money that goes you to service this debt, okay, to pay the interest, which is a major uh, uh, loss of opportunity. What I mean by that is that money, if it was in the bank, okay, could be earning interest that you could then use for your needs, okay, or you could use it for the Lord's work or for whatever the Lord leads you to. You could use it to invest in, in eternity. You could uh, you could use it to help other people, but instead you're giving it to the bank or whoever uh, you know has loaned you the money. Okay, and um, as I said, while there was a time when our society here in India, where debt was not a big thing, in fact, debt was looked down upon. Now, I think that's all behind us. We've pretty much adopted the same mentality, and and this is going to cause more and more problems and social problems, you know, in our society is what I believe. Uh, but you know, we're talking here about believers, right? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, what do you have to do, right? What does Scripture say about it? So, uh, as I said, we always go back to scripture. This is not uh, my opinion. What does scripture say about debt? And we have to really take a balanced view. We have to look at uh, different passages of scripture and put them in balance and then come up with a principle. Okay? So, scripture does not give us hard and fast rules saying, you know, because people always want easy answers. Okay? A lot of you, when you ask questions about this, uh, the typically question always starts with, is it okay? Okay, is it okay to do X? Is it okay to do Y? Okay, very little in life from a scripture perspective is, is that simple that it's, a, it's an okay or not okay, yes or, yes or no answer. Okay, we are called to, to, to look at what does God say in totality about a particular subject and then apply it, you know, with wisdom, with God to our specific area. Okay, so what does the Bible say uh, about debt? Okay, first of all, it strongly warns against debt. Okay, if you look at a verse in Romans 13, verse 8, um, it says, Oh, okay, oh, no man anything except 
to love one another. Okay, another another translation. That's the uh, you know in the Living Bible it says pay all your debts. Okay, the New American Standard says owe nothing to anyone. Another one says keep out of debt and owe no man anything. Uh, you know uh, NIV says let let no debt remain outstanding except except the continuing debt to love one another. And in that context, he's talking about, you know, in Romans 12, he talks about, um, you know, that uh, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you give your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, for this is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? And then he goes on to say, well, what does the renewed mind, the life of a renewed mind, of a transformed mind look like? What does the life of a Christian uh, who's a transformed Christian look like? And then he, you know, Romans 13 onwards, he talks about well, what, you know, how do you respond to government? What does your attitude to government look like if your mind has been transformed? And then he comes into this, you know, loving brothers and sisters. And then he drops in this thing that says, look, you know, as believers, you shouldn't owe anybody. Only thing that you should owe people is love. Have a debt of love, not a debt of money. Okay, we'll come back to that. Uh, Proverbs 22, 7, I referred to this earlier. You know, a borrower is servant to the lender. Okay, a borrower is servant to the lender. First Corinthians seven twenty three says, do not become slaves of men. It says, you know, you have been freed. Okay, you have been freed from the shackles of sin. You have been freed from the, 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 the rituals and the, um, you know, the demands of men. Don't go back and become a debtor. Don't become a slave of, of men. It's in a slightly different context, but the same principle holds, right? And then if you go to, to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1 to 5, you know, it, it talks about, um, it gives a warning there that you need that we should get out of debt. If we are in debt, then we should get out of debt as quickly as possible, right? So uh, I just read uh, Proverbs 6, verses 1 to 5. Uh, and it says, my son, if you become surety for your friend, okay, surety means if you, have, if you are in debt to your friend, if you have shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, okay, a pledge is again that you are in debt, uh, you are snared by the words of your mouth, you are taken by the words of your mouth, so do this, my son, verse 3, Proverbs 6, 3, do this, my son, and deliver yourself. So he's saying, deliver yourself out of that situation. You are in trouble. Uh, for you have come into the hand of your friend. You are in bondage to your friend. He has control over you. So deliver yourself. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. He says, you're like a, a deer that's being hunted. That's The hunter has you in his sights. Okay, and the hand of the fowler, like a, somebody who's trying to capture the bird, right? Uh, the, 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 the hunter. So it, it, there's, a, there's a strong warning to say, you know what, if by something you have done, you've gotten in debt, get out of it as quickly as possible. Okay. Um, and then the next point is that in scripture, we find that debt is considered a curse. Okay. And lack of uh, debt is considered a blessing. Okay. Now, where do we see this? I'm not going to go to the passages, but you can go read it later. Deuteronomy 28. <clears throat> verses 1, 2, and 12, where, where God is talking to the children of Israel and is giving them all these instructions saying, you're going to come into the land and, and you're going to possess it and I'm going to give it to you as a perpetual possession and, and you, know, you shouldn't worship the gods of 
uh, of the heathen there, of the nations, uh, and you should be faithful to me. Uh, and then he goes and tells them about how they should regulate their lives and their society. And, and, he, and he says that, that they should not get into debt. And he says that, you know, if you obey me, okay, if you obey all the words that I've given to you, okay, then, then you will never be in debt. You will never be a debtor nation. And if you don't obey me, then you will be in debt to all the nations around you. Okay, and he says, I will curse you by making you a debtor nation, right? So being in debt is a curse for obedience in Deuteronomy 28, verse 15 and verse 43 to 44. Um, whereas he says that if you obey me, okay, I will bless you. And you not only will you not be in debt, but you will be in a position to lend money to others. I will bless you so much that you will be in a position to lend money to others. Okay. Um, so debt is considered a curse for disobedience and lack of debt is a blessing for obedience. Uh, James 4 verse 13 to 15. I talked about it earlier. There's a caution against presuming on tomorrow. We talked about it, you know, that uh, the consequence of a debt lifestyle is that you're presuming on the future, which we don't have any control over. Right. And scripture clearly gives a caution saying, look, don't, uh, you know, assume anything about tomorrow. Don't say tomorrow I'm going to do this and that. Don't, uh, uh, you know, don't uh, think that, don't boast about tomorrow. For you do not know. Okay, none of us knows what a day may bring forth. That's all been hit home with this whole coronavirus thing, right? Um, you know, and, and scripture condemns the misuse of debt and the failure to repay debts. Okay, so if you go to Psalm 37, uh, and verse, um, by the way, I'll send you all notes and so you'll have all this. Um, Psalm 37 and verse uh, 21. Psalm 37 verse 21. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. So, you know, scripture cautions, uh, sorry, scripture condemns the misuse of debt. And the failure to repay. So, why am I going through all this? Just to just to point out that you know, while uh, you know, there's a lot of things about debt, and Scripture even talks about giving money out on interest and all that. You know, there's a lot of warnings about debt. Okay, and we got to keep that in mind as we try to fashion or as we try to form a biblical perspective on debt. Now, is it wrong? Right. So everybody likes to ask, is it wrong or is it okay? Right. So what? You know, when we look at it in, in balance, though, you know, as I look at scripture, and there was a time in my life that I thought, you know, I took a very extreme position on this. But as I, as I studied more, you know, what you see is that, is that debt doesn't, is not absolutely forbidden. Okay, because we see uh, that, uh, you know, in the, um, in, in the word of God itself, it gives a lot of constraints or a lot of principles around giving money out to interest, Right. Uh, and the children of Israel were told, you know, you can't do it for usury, which is like excessive interest. And if you do, then this is the way you should treat your brother. And then there was a there was a, a thing where all your debts got f f forgiven in the year of Jubilee, you know, every seven years and all these kind of things. So, so debt is strongly discouraged. And because it's discouraged, it's not something that we should enter into lightly. Okay. We need some principles around it to make sure that debt is not normative in our lives, right? Because scripture gives guidelines, okay? Proverbs 22, 7 uh, strongly warns about against debt, 
right? And so debt, what we can do is when we put all of these together, you know, I, I don't believe that you can say that absolutely no way, no how, no place, under no circumstance should you go into debt. Okay. Now, if you hold to that principle, that's wonderful. Okay. It's a very wise principle to hold to. Uh, it will, um, you know, it will, uh, it will, you know, remove any any cause for stress uh, around this uh, this matter. Uh, but uh, but you know, when it comes to you know looking at things from scripture, we have to be balanced about this and and ask ourselves. What does scripture really say? Does it absolutely prohibit? Okay, scripture prohibits you know believers and unbelievers being yoked together. Okay, apply that to marriage. Okay, it's it's absolute, right? Uh, it's an absolute uh, forbidden thing. Okay, we shouldn't do that. Okay, it's never right. But debt does not quite fall in that category. What we see is a lot of warning uh, against it, a lot of caution against it. Uh, and so what we can conclude is it shouldn't be normative, right? But it's not absolutely forbidden. We should make every effort to get out of debt, just like that uh, chapter, the passage I read in Proverbs 6, right? In, in, in those circumstances where we, uh, where we uh, get into debt, we should make every effort to get out of it. You know, I'm reminded of that uh, story of the, uh, uh, the, the woman, woman and her son who comes to Elisha, the prophet, uh, saying, you know, my creditors have arrived to me because my husband died and he owed a lot of money and all that. And this woman was on a on a mission to to get rid of that debt, right? Uh, and then the prophet helps her out by 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 saying, you know, you uh, to take her oil and keep pouring it, and then the oil keeps multiplying and she sells it. He says, go sell that, pay your debtors first, and then live on the rest, right? So again, that principle, you know, make every effort to get out of debt as soon as possible. So with, the, with those scriptural principles in mind, let me try to formulate uh, you know, and answer this question, what are the criteria for going into debt? Okay, when can I consider debt? That's the way uh, I would put it. I would not frame it as when is it okay to go into debt? Okay, I would say ideally, you know, we should not go into debt. Okay, the best, the optimal situation is not to go into debt. But we can't scripturally teach that it's absolutely wrong. Okay, so but when can we consider going into debt? So these are not principles that you will find explicitly, uh, you know, in in scripture. But it's derived from the principles that 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 we just talked about, the scriptural uh, guidelines, the scriptural injunctions. Okay, warning us against debt. So number one, you know, you should only consider. Okay, and I'll keep using this word consider. Consider going into debt if it is to purchase an asset, okay, an asset uh, with the potential to appreciate or produce an income, okay? So, uh, uh, I mean, I'll give you, maybe I'll use a reverse example, okay? Uh, if you buy a bike, okay, a bike or a car for that matter, these are what we call depreciating assets, okay? They do not increase in value. Okay, if you buy a bike today or a car today, and in fact, if you sell it three months down the road, I guarantee you, you will uh, get a lot less than what you paid. Even if it's brand new, even if it's in good condition, it doesn't matter. Okay, it depreciates. If you, if you uh, take a consumable, okay, food, all right? Well, food is uh, the ultimate depreciating asset. I mean, the moment you eat it, it's gone. 
Okay. So for these kind of things, which are, it's not, it's not an asset, it's a consumable, all right. It's an expenditure. Uh, it has no value, you know, as long as it only has value, as long as it's there, the moment you consume it, you get the value, you know, of that eating that food, there has no value beyond that. Right. So, so these are all things that, that don't really produce an income, right. They don't appreciate. If you take, uh, probably the best example of an appreciating asset is like is uh, land. Okay, now even that you know can go down. But typically, if you look historically, land always tends to go up. It might go up at different rates. So you know, land or a house or whatever. But again, you got to be careful here, and we'll talk about that, right? You can't just assume that it's always going to be. You got to be prepared for it to not appreciate or even for it to depreciate. Um, second principle is that the value of the item should exceed what you owe. Okay. So what do I mean by this? It means that, um, you know, what you owe. So if something is worth, uh, you know, 10,000 rupees, okay, you don't take a loan for 12,000 rupees to buy that. Okay. Or, uh, or another way you ensure this is when you buy a, a house, for example, you know, you pay a good amount of down payment because that allows you to build some equity. That means when you sell the house, you can take some money out of it because a, a house or a property is a is not a liquid asset. Okay? You can't just, it's not like cash in the bank. Okay, It's not like a FD that you can just break and pull the money off. It's not liquid. It's illiquid. Okay, It's a hard asset. So, uh, you know, but make sure that, that, that you don't owe more than what that thing is worth. Okay, so if, for example, you buy a property today for... Uh, you know, I'll just use simple numbers here, 10,000 rupees, okay? Or let's say a lakh rupees, all right? And you take a, you know, 80,000 rupee loan, okay? And you pay 20,000 out of, out of pocket as a down payment, okay? So your, your value, what you own, you own 20,000 worth of value in that, in that property, okay? Now, if all of a sudden the market goes down and that, so that means that if you were to sell that tomorrow, uh, for a one lakh, you get to keep twenty thousand, right? You give eighty thousand back to whoever you borrowed the money from. Now, if all of a sudden property values go down, and that one lakh property now becomes a you know seventy thousand rupee property, then all of a sudden, you know, you owe eighty thousand. The thing is only worth seventy thousand. Okay, the what you owe against it is much more than the value of that property. So you need to try to fix that situation. Okay. Um, so value of the item equals or exceeds the amount owed against it. Third, okay, and this is very important. Okay, this is why this is not a yes/no question. It's a it's a what if question. It's a let's sit down and pray about it question. It's a let's think about what the impact is going to be on me kind of a question. Okay, the size of the debt should not strain your budget. Okay, so in other words, you know, I've got these. Like, I make this much money. Okay whatever, I get 20,000 a month or 30,000 a month, whatever it is that you get, okay, in salary, you pay your taxes and all that, you get this much take home, all right, you're now spending this much on your housing, this much on your food and clothing and all that stuff, essential stuff, transport, health, whatever, right, um, you know, you've got to give this much to the Lord, right, what do I have left over? Now, if I get an EMI, what is it going to do to that? You know, am I going to have to start uh, violating my convictions, okay? Uh, am I going to have to start uh, robbing God of his due? Okay, so I'm going to say, you know what? 
I really need this bike or I really need this thing, this, this new phone. Okay, by the way, phone is a depreciating asset. Don't buy a phone on loan. Buy a phone with the money that you have that you can afford to pay cash. All right, uh, um, you know, uh, in order to buy this thing, okay, and, and take a loan, go into debt, and then have to make EMIs on it, you know, am I going to have to cut down the 10% or the 12% or the 15% that I have committed to give to the Lord in order to pay the amount? Okay, if you have to, then that's probably not the right thing. Um, does it does it cause you to violate convictions? For example, uh, you know, let's say let's say you have a conviction that um, you know that of you your wife uh, typically would would stay and take care of a baby when you have a baby, okay, for the first two years or whatever, okay, till the baby goes to school. All right, that's your conviction that you have agreed to. Okay, now all of a sudden you go and increase your lifestyle by going to debt, and that means both of you have to go and earn an income, right? Uh, you know, or or maybe you have a conviction that I've got to give 20% of my income to the Lord, and I'm doing that. Now I'm going to have to reduce that to 10 in order to pay this debt. Okay. It should not restrict the Holy Spirit prompting to go to give generously to help others. Okay, so that means it should not constrain you so much that you don't have anything left over to give to people in need. You know, we are commit, we are commanded to give to those in need, especially uh, to those who are of the household of faith. We have to do good to them, right? So it should not restrict our response to promptings from the Holy Spirit. You know, when the when the Lord brings somebody uh, into your sight who's struggling without a job, maybe they're struggling to have food. And he puts it on your heart to, to help them out. And you say, oh, you know what? If I were to help them out, then I wouldn't be able to pay my EMI. Okay? Uh, don't allow yourself. Don't take on so much debt that it puts you in that kind of a position. It should not restrict uh, your response to Holy Spirit's call to move or change. Okay? What do I mean by that? I mean, you know, very often I've heard people, um, you know, not very often, but I've had few instances where People have come and said, you know what? I feel the call of the Lord. Okay, I felt the call of the Lord to go into full-time work. I say, okay, good. That's that's wonderful. Uh, then why are you not going to full-time work? He says, well, I can't go into full-time work right now because, you know, I got to pay off all these EMIs. Okay, I got to pay off my flat. I got to pay off this. I got to pay off that. My car, my furniture, right? Uh, and so I got to wait for another couple of years. A couple of years from now, I'll pay off everything and then I'll be free. Uh, to respond to the call, okay? So this is just something where, where you know, uh, because we've accumulated so much debt, we're not free, okay? I, I can tell you that uh, that today, you know, in my case, as I said, there are times in my life when I had some debt for very, very limited, restricted things, but today I have no debt. Okay? I don't owe, and I'm not saying this for pride, it's just a reality. Okay? I don't owe anybody a single you know, a single paisa, okay? Um, I don't have a loan on a house. I don't have anything. And so, you know what? If the Lord calls me to go to, but you name a country and join my fellow brother in Christ, you know, there's nothing that's going to hold me back as far as financially goes, okay? Um, or even if I had a house, I got to be in a position where, you know, I got enough equity in that that I can sell it and pay off the loan completely and be completely free, okay? So, you know, when we go into debt, we need to look at it from this perspective. As I said, it's not a yes or no question. 
you know, is, is it okay to go into debt for this thing, but not that thing? It's not that simple. Okay, go back to the fact that debt is highly discouraged. Debt is being warned against quite extensively. Okay, so while there is some allowance, you know, for it, we need to make sure that we don't get into bondage. Okay, we don't get into bondage to such an extent that the debt controls us. Okay, when we are in debt, we need to do it in such a way that we have a clear plan to get out of debt, to make sure that that debt is not shackling me, okay? And I'm not so bound up with my possessions that I'm not willing to give it up if I have to get rid of that debt for whatever reason, if I lose my job, okay? There might be situations where you have bought a flat or a, or a piece of land or whatever, and you end up, uh, you know, uh, without a job, without any income, the Lord might be calling you to say, go sell it. You know, go sell it and get out of that bondage and then use that money for his glory, right? So, uh, and that might be tough because we always get caught, but I already spent so much money and I've already built half the house. What do I do? You know, those are all sunk costs, okay? God doesn't want us to be in bondage, okay? And, and one thing I'll just mention before I move on, um, you know, a lot of times I find that this is not, as I mentioned, this is not just a problem for people, uh, you know, like many of you who are working. Very often, this is a problem with evangelists. Even. Okay, I, I've been working with an evangelist for the last week uh, and giving him sort of a little, uh, you know, lecture on, on the fact that he went and committed to buy this piece of land. It was for a great thing, okay, for an assembly hall. Okay, for, for, you know, big chunk of money. Oh, it's a great piece of land. It's for the Lord's work. You know, it's on the roadside. Uh, we can use it for this and this and this and this. And I asked him, brother, did you have the money when you went? To, and now he's, he's the, the owner is coming saying, please, you, you have to register this. You have to close the deal. You have to provide the money. He's already given a good chunk, about half the money he has gotten and given. And he's saying that the way the agreement is done is I lose all that money if we don't pay up. So now he's going around and asking people, oh, I need this much money. I need this much money. Otherwise, we'll lose it. You know, what will happen to the Lord's work? You know, God is not a debtor to any man. Okay, don't make God a debtor. When we get into debts that's controlling us, we are making God through us a debtor. Okay, and that's not, that's not the God that we serve. So, so whether you're an evangelist or a full-time worker or a person working a professional life, whether you have a lot of money or a little bit of money, you know, we need, to, we need to make sure that we don't put ourselves in a position where we are completely controlled by death. And I know that there are some among you who have done this in the past because you didn't know all of these things. That's okay. Okay, there's a place to start and a place to dig yourself out of it. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so, so these are the things to consider when you go into death. Okay, I'm going to go through a bunch of questions, okay? Uh, and we'll just quickly go through some of it I've already touched on. Um, uh, so these are just some questions that, as I said, you know, they, this is not a yes, no answer type thing. Okay. Should I go into debt for this or that? Okay. But, but here are just some questions to make you stop and ponder. Okay. The first thing you should do when you consider going to debt is first stop. Okay. Pray about it. Talk to your spouse. Maybe. You know, seek the wisdom of God. Talk to others who can help you think through this. Okay. Before going into debt, ask yourself this, these questions, okay? All right, there we go. So ask yourself this question. Is the money that I will be obligated to repay 
and the bondage you will create worth the value I'll receive by getting the money or possessions now. So this is uh, put another way, you know, it's like, do I really need this? Is it, is it really of so much value to me today? Okay. Uh, economically, uh, in some other way, for me to really go into debt, okay, to, 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 to acquire this obligation uh, that's going to tie me up for the next three years or five years or 10 years or whatever, right? What is the benefit I'm going to get by doing this? Okay. And maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe you, you want to, you're thinking about taking a loan for a, for a flat, for buying a house. Okay. Um, you know, uh, what are you going to use that for? Is there, is there value you're going to get by, by, by getting that today versus staying in an apartment? Okay. And certainly there are financial calculations you can do on this front. You know, maybe you, you are really committed to using it for the Lord's work. Okay. And, and you can do it in such a way that, that you've got enough money to get good equity. You can pay it off within a few years. And then if you don't, you'll have enough equity that if you sell it, you can get out of it. Okay. So think about this, right? Is it worth it? Is it worth the value that I'm going to get? Uh, when it comes time for me to repay my debt, what new needs will I have that my debt will keep me from meeting or what new wants will I have that will tempt me to go further into debt? So here's the thing. This is sort of a, the principle or a question that makes you sort of think ahead. Okay, so today maybe maybe I've got everything under control. Okay, I've got my income I get every month in hand, right? <clears throat> this much I spend on housing, this much I give to court, this much I pay food, this much is my transport, I save a little bit, this much, okay, I'm good. Okay, that part of savings, you know, I'll get more value. I asked the first question, yes, I'll get some value by going and investing in a car, maybe. You know, the fleet is growing, it's safer, you know, we don't, we shouldn't be going with a bike with, with four of us sitting on the bike. That's dangerous. You know, perfectly fine. Okay. No, no issue with that. But then think to yourself, okay. Uh, six months from now, what's going to happen? Am I going to have a new need? Okay. Let's say you're a, a young couple who, uh, who just got married a year ago. Okay. Probably resembles some of you. Um, uh, you know, a year ago, 60 or what? 12 months, uh, 14 months ago, 15 months ago. Okay. Uh, We're good now. We're good. I can afford to pay the CMI of, you know, a couple of thousand rupees. Okay. Well, you know, what about if you have a kid, you know, in nine months or maybe your wife is pregnant in six months, you're going to have a kid. You're going to have extra expenses. All right. If I go and uh, get this debt EMI for 2000 rupees today, what's my situation going to be like when the needs of a new child come into the picture? Okay, so, so think ahead a little bit. Um, is not having enough resources to pay cash what I, for what I want, God's way of telling me that it isn't his will for me to buy it. Okay, I don't think this is always the case, but generally we should pause. Okay, and we should spend time in prayer and, and seek the Lord's will. You know, what is God telling me? If I don't have cash for this, especially if it's a small ticket item kind of thing, you know, does God, is God trying to tell me, you know what? You know what, George, you don't need it today. Okay, Rebbe, you don't need that today. Um, is it possible that I don't have the resources to buy it because of past unwise decisions? Would I do better to learn God's lesson? Uh, to, to learn God's uh, lesson by foregoing it until I save enough. Okay, so in other words, you know what, maybe God is trying to teach me something. Okay, um, you know, uh, and is going in debt 
a way for me to forego that lesson. Okay. In fact, in the Proverbs, there's a verse that says that if your uh, if your uh, uh, you know friend is is uh, is in trouble, don't go and bail him out. Okay. Yeah. Lest you you prevent him from learning the lesson that that the Lord has for him. Right. Is debt our way of getting around depending on God? Is God encouraging us to pray for provision rather than take things into our own hands by borrowing? So again, all of these are meant to meant for us to put the brakes, step back and think. Okay. Is debt our means of short circuiting God created means of acquisition, such as work, saving, planning, self-discipline, and waiting for divine provision? Okay, this is what God wants us. He wants us to work for a living. Okay, now am I trying to get out of doing that? Am I trying to get out of being diligent about my work? Am I trying to get out of uh, saving and planning? And because I'm not good at that, so I'm accumulating debt to get around that. What do we think of God when we go into debt rather than live on what he has provided? What message does it send him? Okay, I think that's self-explanatory. What effect will our going into debt today have on our ability and willingness to tithe and cheerfully give voluntary offerings tomorrow? Again, I talked about it, right? Um, you know, because of the debt that you're taking on, am I going to be so constrained that when a brother or sister has a need, I won't have enough to give to them? By taking out a loan that commits us to make payments over a number of years, are we presuming, presuming upon God? Will we even continue to earn as much? You've got to think about this. Are we mortgaging, mortgaging our future and the future of our families to pay for the whims of the present? Okay. Uh, if we must, quote-unquote, must go into debt to provide for our, quote-unquote, needs, is it because our needs are really wants in disguise or have we spent so much money on wants that there is not enough left for needs? Okay, have you looked at cutting back instead of going into debt? Have we really exhausted all the other avenues to avoid going into debt? Have we given up expensive activities, hobbies, eating out, Okay, eating uh, uh, biryani all the time, right? Uh, memberships, liquid, have we liquidated valuable possessions? Have I, you know, again, I, I don't think many of you have a lot of gold and all that stuff sitting at home, okay? Uh, but people in our society, they want to, even the poorest of the poor, they like to accumulate gold because that's like a, you know, a status symbol, right? So, so these are just some of the questions that, you know, I would encourage you to ask yourself and you can, see the point of, you know, the, the sort of when you put it all together, what this is saying is, you know, be prayerful about it, be thoughtful about it, be diligent about it. Okay, don't just rush into it simply because you can afford an EMI, simply because, you know, some marketing campaign out there is making you feel like you really need something that you really don't. Okay, so if you are in debt already, okay, how do you get out of it? First of all, you start with prayer. You know, you've got to come to the Lord and commit and say, Lord, I'm in bondage. Lord, help me get out of this bondage. I am. I sincerely want to be free. Okay. Um, establish a written budget and keep spending within that budget. List your assets. Okay. Again, many of you may not have a lot of assets, but to the extent you do, you know, maybe you need to. Again, I'm not. I'm just giving examples. I'm not saying this is if you are in deep debt. Okay. Maybe you need to. Uh, you know, sell that bike and, and take the bus. Okay, maybe, I don't know, I'm just suggesting. Um, list your liabilities and how much interest are you paying on all of those debts. Establish a repayment schedule so that you start repaying it. 
consider earning additional income. Again, we're talking about if you are so deep in debt, okay, not if you've, you know, say you've got a loan for a house or something and you're able to repay it and you've got enough equity built into it that something goes wrong, you could easily sell the house. I'm talking about when you've got uh, loans for all manner of things and it's really causing you stress and, and, and your lifestyle is really a debt lifestyle. Okay, find ways to earn additional income. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, you or your spouse have got certain skills that they can start making things and selling it. You know, uh, stop accumulating additional debt. Or right? stop. You know, there's a there's a thing saying that if you are if you want to deal with a hole, if you are dug if you are dug yourself into a hole, the first principle of getting out of that is to stop digging. Okay, don't keep digging more. Make the hole deeper and deeper by taking on new debt. Okay, be content with what you have for a time being until you get out of debt. Just, just go with what you have and don't, you know, look for more. Consider lifestyle, radical lifestyle changes to reduce your expenses. Right? Try to save money to pay off your debts and get out of, get out of those debts. And then finally, uh, do not give up. So you should not give up on any of these things. Just keep doing it in a disciplined manner. Get some help from somebody. You know, I'm happy to help you work up a plan if you're in this situation. It's not going to be easy. Okay, it's going to require uh, some sacrifice. It's going to require giving up a lot of things that maybe you wanted to do, right? Uh, and I know sometimes, you know, we, uh, in our society, there's always this this uh, expectation that, uh, you know, that we're going to support our parents and all those. Those are noble things and good things and even scriptural things, okay? But, you know, we have to make sure that the way we do that is not by going into, uh, by violating some of these principles. Okay, don't go into debt for the sake of, you know, and put yourself in a bondage, right? To provide something that your parents probably don't need today. Okay, and sometimes you might have to have a tough talk. With them, okay, so finally, I'll just make one point on credit cards and then we'll, so, uh, you know, credit cards are very dangerous. Okay, they facilitate impulse buying. If you carry a balance, I'm talking about credit cards and not debit cards. Okay, carrying a balance is very costly. Interest is very high. If you want to carry something for convenience, that's okay. But, you know, there is a warning here that there is there are studies that show that if you spend on a credit card, you end up buying 26% more than if you were using cash. Okay, so because it's so convenient and, you know, you don't have to pay till later, people just tend to, you know, subconsciously do this. So what are the rules? Okay, number one, only use it for convenience, okay, because you don't want to carry cash around and for budgeted purchases, pay off your balance every month. First time you're unable to pay a balance, okay, in other words, you accumulate so much that you're not able to pay off the monthly balance and you destroy the card. Get rid of it. Stop using it, okay? So uh, I think I think it just comes back to this. Okay, Credit cards are very dangerous. They're very convenient, but that that convenience comes with some danger, right? So especially if you're not paying it off every month. Uh, that's why I had those principles that, uh, you know, don't carry a balance, pay it off, pay off your complete balance every month. Um, only use it for something that you're budgeted and that you know you can afford, okay, that you have the money for. Uh, and uh, again, if you find yourself getting into this um, mode of not being able to pay it off, then, you know, just stop using it. Get rid of this. So, um, so Jocha, I think um, covered most of the aspects uh, which uh, are uh, very dangerous uh, in terms of getting into debt. 
So I just want to just uh, uh, take you through just few things which I've learned. And uh, I mean, uh, Jocha, you know this personally, but uh, my dad was in huge debt and uh, I learned from that. And I, I don't want to share much about that more. But uh, I'll, I maybe maybe that's for more uh, one-on-one basis uh, if you know if I'm talking to someone. But um, that uh, that uh, taught me uh, a lot of things. Uh, my mom has taught me a lot of things from her principles on how she's very um, uh, very very good at you know being cautious, uh, sa- saving, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to just thank my mom for that also. Uh, so my principle is very simple. I I have not taken a single loan for anything at all except a loan for a home and like George and said uh, it is an exception of exceptions where that is a case where it is impossible almost impossible in Indian scenario to save and to buy hence very prayerfully I went into it um, and also when you take a home please please as George and he touched on everything as George said, the reason they have that initial 20% is to make sure you have the financial capability to go into it. You need to save and you need to put your portion first and put as much as possible first before you get into this home loan. What I've seen even in Christian circles, which is completely wrong, is going against financial uh, principles, uh, secular financial principles is for the 20% also people are taking personal loans which is on very, very high interest. That is just going to destroy your financial outlook. You need to save. You need to earn to get that home. Save 30% or maybe even 40% before you get into into buying a home. Secondly, for vehicles, like George Chan said, it is the moment you start that car and drive it out of a dealership, you are going to get depreciation on that vehicle. Right? You are getting depreciation and if you're taking a loan on top of it, there's depreciation plus interest. So the cost of owning that depreciating asset is just skyrocketing. So my principle, again, this is my personal principle, is that I save and only then I have bought a wage. Which means where the first car which I bought, I saved and bought it for 1.3 lakhs. Now... You can immediately jump and say, you know what, I can I can afford a home a, 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 a vehicle loan and take seven lakhs and pay for the next seven years. But like George Chan says, that restricts your money, which you can use for the Lord's work. So save it's it's a depreciation depreciating asset. Save it and if possible, buy a used car. You need a car to get from point A to point B. That's all it is for. The credit card. Last point I want to say for credit card is. Credit card companies keep calling me. I do not take additional cards. My credit card limit is a limit which I had in 2004. I have not increased it since then. You will laugh if you hear my credit card limit. I don't want to say it out loud. But credit card is only for a means of ease of pay. Do not take credit cards for 1 lakh, 2 lakh credit limit and fall into a rabbit hole of debt. Thank you, Pradeep. Those are very, very insightful and valid points. Uh, on the thing about the house, uh, you absolutely should make a substantial down payment, right? Because, again, I, I think to me, that's the way the Lord is telling you whether you should go ahead with it or not. And then uh, one more point I would add is that, um, you know, <clears throat> make every effort to pay down the loan, right? Much faster than even if it's a 10, 15, 20 in the US and not even the 30-year loans. You know, have a plan to 
to save extra and pay it off, right? So that you get out of that obligation. Um, uh, and then on the car, you're absolutely right. Uh, and uh, um, there was one more point I was trying to make. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, again, it, uh, on the point about the, 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 the one and a half lakhs, right? It's all about being content and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, I think the problem is that we end up thinking of cars as something more than a way to get from here to there. Okay. Um, that's all it is. You know, whether you're driving a, a 20 lakh car or a one and a half lakhs, it gets you from here to there. You know what? Uh, you just overspent by, by lakhs, okay, to sit in an expensive car. And frankly, I have sat in all kinds of expensive cars, Mercedes, you know, BMWs, Volvos, whatever you name it, okay, Audis. Honestly, at the end of the day, Driving on a Bangalore road, it doesn't feel that much different. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Maybe the, it's a little more comfortable. You sort of feel good. But it's all psychological. Okay. There's no value to riding an expensive car that's any more than, than riding a cheap car. Okay. So, so contentment and, and, uh, and lifestyle and, and all of those things. Are important. That is uh, the thing on debt. Uh, and uh, what is a man's approach Man's approach is that you may use debt as often as you wish. Buy now, pay later. Okay, uh, but what is God's approach? The Lord discourages use of debt because He wants us to be free to serve Him. Okay, so we will close it out. It's uh, a little late for lunch. <laughs>